Chapter 14 of The Mentor 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Siobhan McKelpin. The Mentor 2 by Various. Chapter 14. Game Animals of America by W. T. Hornaday. Department of Natural History. Game Preservation The most striking and melancholy feature in connection with American big game is the rapidity in which it has vanished. When, just before the outbreak of the Revolutionary War, the rifle-bearing hunters of the backwoods first penetrated the great forests west of the Alleghenies, deer, elk, black bear, and even buffalo swarmed in what are now the states of Kentucky and Tennessee, and the country north of the Ohio was a great and almost virgin hunting ground. From that day to this, the shrinkage has gone on, only partially checked here and there. There is yet ample opportunity for the big game hunter in the United States, Canada, and Alaska. It is necessary to remember that these opportunities are, nevertheless, vanishing. And if we are a sensible people, we will make it our business to see that the process of extinction is arrested. At the present moment, the great herds of caribou are being butchered, as in the past the great herds of bison and wapiti have been butchered. Every believer in manliness, and therefore in manly sport, and every lover of nature, every man who appreciates the majesty and beauty of the wilderness and of wildlife, should strike hands with the far-sighted men who wish to preserve our material resources in the effort to keep our forests and our game beasts, game birds, and game fish, indeed, all of the living creatures of the prairie and woodland and seashore, from wanton destruction." From Outdoor Pastimes of an American Hunter by Theodore Roosevelt. Copyright Charles Schreiber's Sons. Game Animals of America. Does anyone doubt that in North America the hunting of big game, once marvelously abundant, is fast becoming an extinct pastime? As a game animal, the American bison is gone. In the United States, antelope hunting is gone forever. The Arizona elk is totally extinct. In the United States, mountain sheep hunting is extinct in all states save two, and it should be so in those also. Mountain goat hunting is possible in two states only. It is now next to impossible to find and kill a wild grizzly in the United States. There are many persons, of whom I am one, who believe that in a brief span of years there will be no big game hunting in the mountain states west of the Great Plains, save around the borders of big game sanctuaries such as Yellowstone Park. With the exception of the bison and the Arizona elk, we may even yet see in our mountain states good specimens of some of the big game species that abundantly stocked them in pioneer days. We are glad that we live contemporaneously with colossal moose and the unique antelope. We rejoice that we are on terms of intimacy with the lordly elk, and that we have a bowing acquaintance with the goat and the sheep. We cherish the thought that we have seen real grizzly bears on their native rocks, and also that we have done our bit, as the English say, and saving the great American bison from oblivion. It is not good for red-blooded men to live in a land that contains no big game. It sounds effeminate. To correct such a condition as that, the New Zealanders took thought and colonized in their country the European red deer, 
and that species has waxed numerous and produced tens of thousands of deer for food and for sport. North America has produced a good quota of big game species, but in that line of native industry we are far surpassed by Asia, and by Africa we are left completely out of sight. Really, Africa seems to have been created as an ideal home for big game. Her array of apes, antelopes, carnivores, and thick-skinned beasts compels unbounded admiration. While our game endures, let us make much of it, and appreciate it to the utmost. And it is not all of game enjoyment to kill it and cut off its head, and let the bulk of the meat go into the discard. The highest type of big game hunting is the finding of fine animals in their haunts, photographing them movably and unmovably, and then bidding them go in peace. To be really and truly ignorant of such distinguished American citizens as the musk and muskox, caribou, sheep, and goat, antelope, deer, and Alaskan brown bear is reprehensible and should be punishable by a fine. Many wild animals are more interesting per capita than some men. To learn and know our best wild animals is like annexing new territory. It increases our mental and moral resources and provides a new channel for the disposition of surplus wealth. Like Cupid's story, they never seem to grow old, and as long as one hoof or horn remains as a growing concern, just that long our interest continues in the wearer thereof. The most interesting side of every wild animal is its mind, what it thinks, and why. First of all, however, we must know the personality of our animal, and be able to speak its name promptly as the politician names his voting acquaintances. To call an antelope a deer is to lose a vote. The saving of big game. The characteristic features of America's big game animals are to be treated as natural history, the wasteful slaughter of them is an unnatural history. Ever since the days of Daniel Boone, the American pioneers and exploiters of nature's resources have most diligently been exterminating our bison, elk, deer, moose, antelope, sheep, and goats. For 20 years, we have been toiling to save the American bison from total extinction. Thanks to the efforts of the United States and Canadian governments, the New York Zoological Society, and the American Bison Society, the buffalo now is secure against extinction. Our government now owns and maintains six herds, having a total of about 570 head, and the Canadian government owns about 1,600 head. Our chief hope is based on the herd in the Montana National Bison Reserve, now containing 134 head, living in a rich pasture of 29 square miles, capable of supporting a thousand bison without the purchase of a pound of hay. That herd has risen from 37 head, presented in 1909 by the American Bison Society. The Wichita and Wind Cave National Herds were founded by herds drawn from the New York Zoological Park and presented by the Zoological Society. Excepting for the white-tailed deer and the elk, it is today a grave question whether there will be any big game hunting in the United States 20 years hence. The Pronghorned Antelope It is now painfully certain that never more will there be any hunting of the pronghorned antelope in our country. There has been none for several years. But for all that, the remaining bands are everywhere, save in two localities, reported as steadily diminishing. Even in Yellowstone Park, the antelope herds are now but little better than stationary. 
excepting the goat and muskox the pronghorn is north america's most exclusively american species of big game it is so very odd that it occupies a family all alone it is the only living hollow-horned ruminant that sheds its horns every year but this nimble-footed rover is not fitted to withstand the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune a d 1916 it has no more staying power than a french poodle and it wilts and dies literally at the first breath of adversity it will not breed in captivity nor does it live long in any kind of confinement it is subject to an incurable mouth disease called lumpy jaw and will secretly and joyously carry the unseen germs of it for six months for the purpose of passing quarantine and inoculating an innocent herd in some unsuspecting zoological park half a dozen western states have little isolated bands of antelope that they are trying to preserve but all save two are steadily diminishing in the montana and wichita bison ranges twenty-nine and fourteen square miles efforts are being made to establish herds canada is making two large prairie preserves under fence especially for the purpose of saving the antelope from extinction taking all these efforts together there is a fighting chance that the species eventually will be saved from oblivion but at present the odds are very much against it as a sport with the rifle however legitimate prong-horned antelope hunting is already as extinct as mammoth spearing on glacial ice mountain sheep over the rocky mountain sheep there is a halo of glamour that is to every big game hunter a veritable cloud by day and pillar of fire by night standing out conspicuously apart from all other american hoofed game the big horn thrills and challenges the gentleman sportsman as no other big game does at this time there are fashions even in the hunting of big game a sportsman will go farther spend more and endure more to get a big ram as a trophy of his manhood in the chase than for any other species why is it it is because the old bighorn rams are found where the scenery is grandest and most inspiring they are the keenest of eye nose and ear of all our big game and hunting them successfully means real mountaineering in africa a lady can kill a big elephant but in the rocky mountains ladies do not kill bighorn rams with the rings of eight or ten years on their horns there are times when hunting the mountain goat becomes sport for men but many a goat has been killed by an easy fluke the old bighorn ram with horns that are worthwhile requires real hunting and many a man has taken the long trail for one and gone back empty-handed i should be mighty sorry to see sheep hunting become an extinct pastime for ye gods it is the acme of sport with big game elephant hunting in india at least is tame by comparison colorado has proved through twenty-six years of watchful waiting that to any mountain sheep state sheep can be brought back by protection Twenty-six years ago, the sheep of that state were reduced to a dangerously small remnant of only a few hundred head. Then the lid was put on, sheep hunting was forbidden, and, strange to say, even the residents of the sheep mountains elected to observe the law, and also to help enforce it. The result is a great triumph in protection, to which the Commonwealth of Colorado points with pride today that state contains a grand total of seven thousand four hundred and eighty-two sheep 
and today the wild herds come down into the streets of array to be admired and feted and fed on hay and photographed and last september when an urgent official request came to the state game warden for permission to kill six of colorado's mountain sheep for scientific purposes the proposal was declared impossible without precipitating a riot of the populace the true bighorn ranges all the way from Pinacate Peak in northwest Sonora, Old Mexico, northward to about latitude 56 in British Columbia and western Alberta. On the hot, black lava slopes of Pinacate, fearfully lacking in vegetation, the sheep grow small. The species culminates in southwestern Alberta from the Waterton Lakes to Wilcox Pass the biggest head ever shot by a gentleman sportsman so far as i know had horns with the circumference of seventeen and three-quarters inches and the lucky hunter was mr a p proctor the wild animal sculptor in the united states there are eleven states that still contain wild examples of mountain sheep but in some cases the total number to a state is painfully small new mexico contains only twenty-three head Sheep hunting is totally prohibited in all our states save two, Wyoming and Washington. No, good reader, mountain sheep do not jump off precipices and alight safely on their horns. They never did and they never will. Their necks are just as breakable as ours are. Mountain Goat In oddity and picturesqueness, the white mountain goat and the moose are rivals, and it is hard to say which species is entitled to the championship. Fortunately for him, the goat is not much sought by white men as food. Its head is not inordinately prized as a trophy, and therefore he will survive on his wild and awesome summits long after the last sheep head has gone to graze some hunter's den, and its flesh has been devoured by the golden eagles. The mountain goat looks a bit like a snowy white pygmy buffalo with small black horns and long shaggy hair. It carries its head low, and its stick-like legs give it a stilted and awkward gait. Its shoulders, neck, and hindquarters are covered with long, coarse hair, and when the animal is seen on a mountain top, the first thought is how very white it is. I have compared a clean goat skin with a snowbank, and the latter had only one small point the advantage. The goat's hair shows just a very faint tinge of pale yellow. Rocky Mountain Goat the real home of the Rocky Mountain Goat is British Columbia, Alberta, and southern Alaska, but detachments are even yet found sparingly in northwestern Montana, Idaho, and Washington. The species should be introduced in the Montana National Bison Range, the Yellowstone Park, and a dozen other places, particularly in Washington and Oregon. It has plenty of stamina, it breeds successfully in captivity, and I believe it can survive and thrive in any mountain region that is sufficiently cold and dry. It cannot endure rain in winter. Everywhere in the United States where this remarkable species still survives, it should at once be given complete protection. In Glacier Park, it is now almost a common occurrence for visitors to see wild mountain goats. I saw two myself near the Sperry Glacier in 1909, and the flocks are undoubtedly more numerous today. Mentally and temperamentally, and the mountain goat is a remarkable animal. It seems to have no nerves. Under no circumstances does a goat lose its head until it has been shot. Only a few months ago, December 25, 1915, 
two badly rattled white-tailed deer jumped off the croton lake railroad bridge on the putton railroad near new york a distance down of about forty feet and both were killed by the leap two mountain goats would not have done that they would have stood pat to the last second and waited to see what the locomotive really meant to do deer and sheep are hysterical animals and when cornered will leap off ledges to certain death but the goat never he stands at bay and calmly waits to see what will happen that's why mr john m phillips state game commissioner of pennsylvania was able in nineteen o five at the risk of his life to obtain at a distance of eight feet the surpassingly fine photograph shown herewith considering it in every way i think it is the finest wild animal photograph i have ever seen and surely one of the best that has ever been made i believe that the mountain goat will be the last of the big game species of the open mountains of north america to be exterminated by man the sheep moose caribou and muskox will go long in advance of the ubiquitous goat in protected areas like glacier park and the elk river game preserve of southeast british columbia the species should endure for a century or perhaps for two centuries why not in such protected sanctuaries they should finally increase to such an extent that the natural overflow will make legitimate goat hunting in the surrounding mountains i should be sorry to see goat hunting become a lost art for it is mighty fascinating provided you stop with two goats and can return with a clear conscience the caribou europe and asia have the reindeer but north america has a truly grand array of caribou species in size and geography they range all the way from the absurd little peary caribou of ellesmere land which looks like a goat with deer antlers upon it to the giant of the cassier mountains known as osborne's caribou roughly speaking our north american species are divided by their antlers into two groups the woodland and the barren ground the important species of the latter are the greenland caribou the peary the barren ground the grant and the kenai of the woodland group the leading species are the newfoundland canadian black-faced and osborns the gravure shown herewith is a very fine presentation of the canadian woodland species from an oil painting by carl rungis now owned by the duquesne club pittsburgh elk the barren ground caribou exists in the greatest numbers of any mammalian species great or small now inhabiting the earth the immense throngs that have been seen by warburton pike c j jones and others while on their annual southward migration literally stagger the imagination undoubtedly there are millions of individuals and they offer a sharp commentary on the ability of nature to multiply her livestock and keep it up to the highest standard without any help from man it is not a pleasing thought that even in this age of universal slaughter there is one big game species that still exists in millions on our own continent today the barren ground caribou is protected by distance and the frost king but this condition is too bright to last ere long perhaps tomorrow the canadians will build a railroad from fort churchill and hudson bay straight through to the heart of the barren ground caribou range in the arctic coast and then the ranks of the caribou will be depleted the caribou are members of the deer family but one and all they exhibit many unique features their antlers are flat 
the females have horns their muzzles are large and square-ended their feet are very broad and spreading like snowshoe hoofs and their heads are carried low the caribou gait is a swift far-striding trot in the united states caribou are found at two points only in maine and northern idaho but we can no longer guarantee the latter south of the barren grounds of northern canada the best localities for caribou are newfoundland the cassiar mountains the east scoot country of british columbia the white river country of western yukon territory and the alaska peninsula the osborne caribou is a grand animal every way considered the white peary caribou of ellesmere land is very small its head no more deer-like than that of any other caribou and it looks like a misfit white deer with imitation caribou antlers upon its head unlike all other members of the deer family the female caribou has horns but they are small and weak the moose the moose is an animal as odd and picturesque as if it had come to us straight from wonderland walk between those colossal legs and under that high holden body gaze on those snow shovel antlers consider the amazing overhang of that nose and then say where an equally amazing combination can be found on this continent this animal is the colossus of the deer family if his wits were equal to his bulk no man with a gun would ever see a live moose save through binoculars and we never would acquire any antlers save those discarded by the animal the homeliest members of the deer family are its female moose in calving time beside which warthogs and hippopotami are sirens and sylphs a full-grown bull moose in october or november is as we have already insinuated a wonder no mammoth nor mastodon nor saber-toothed tiger ever was any more so i am glad that i have lived in the day of that astounding beast i never yet really wished to kill a moose even though i have often been told that i should shoot one for the sake of my reputation as a sportsman but i never did i would like to see a hundred moose in a week as i once came near doing but i do not like the thought of destroying a big bull moose the moose of the greatest horns and the longest skulls are found in alaska the kenai peninsula is for them the greatest of all places and there the grandest antlers have been produced the bull stands seven feet high at the shoulders and no man ever yet has weighed a whole adult animal so far as is known to this writer the finest moose picture ever made by lens or by brush is the great painting owned by the new york zoological society which was executed by carl rungis in nineteen fifteen the model that posed for this bull's antlers hangs in the reed macmillan collection of the national heads and horns and the next room to mine and the road for the doubting thomases is short and easy no the moose does not prefer to live in thick timber although in maine and northern minnesota the timber of the moose is quite thick enough for all practical purposes the ideal home of the moose is burned over tracts of timber wherein the brush grows rankly the obstructing trees are absent and in running or traveling the moose has only to stride over fallen trunks lying four feet high and always about the moose is the only land animal now living on this continent that is physically qualified with a standing of a hundred percent to travel fast over down timber and get away with it 
we must admit that in eastern captivity the moose cannot thrive anywhere south of canada the climate of new york city is like poison to moose caribou and antelope the salt-laden rains of winter at thirty-two degrees fahrenheit are to blame in new brunswick though wise laws rigidly enforced as a rule the moose are increasing even though hunted every year in maine moose hunting has been stopped the great state game preserve in northern minnesota contains many hundred moose quite well protected strangest of all there are now hundreds of moose in northwestern wyoming where the species long has been absolutely protected and there are about seven hundred in yellowstone park the muskox during our own times the barren ground muskox has been completely exterminated through the region west of the mackenzie river and also eastward from the mackenzie for about five hundred miles only seventy years ago or thereabouts herds of live muskox were found about fifty miles southeast of point barrow but since that time the species has been exterminated throughout an area as long as from new york to chicago muskox in the new york zoological park to me every living muskox is a source of continual wonder i am staggered by the fact that a warm-blooded animal quite sheep-like in its general nature and mode of life and which lives well in new york city can survive and thrive and breed and be happy on the most northerly land in the world the fact that whole herds of muskox can find food throughout the awful arctic night survive storms of unbelievable violence and duration and cold that the human mind scarce can comprehend and voluntarily live under such conditions seems almost beyond belief and yet here in new york wet in winter and hot in summer we keep muskox comfortable in captivity for five years and they do not suffer from the heat as much as they do the men who take care of them a part of our success is due to the fact that we keep our muskox dry and never allow cold rains to come upon them they have not yet bred and we are at a loss to understand why a naturalist historian gave to light speaking might be tempted to say that the two muskox species were developed and placed in the frozen north for the support of explorers and the promotion of geographic knowledge for example without the muskox herds as a base peary might have never attained the north pole it was he who killed and ate muskox in the most northerly point of land in the world the northeast corner of greenland whole herds of muskox have been killed and eaten by hungry explorers and the eskimos and their dogs the flesh of this animal should taste more like mutton than beef but the man does not live who could distinguish it from beef of the same age evidently there are conditions under which a muskox bull has a perceptively musky odor but i have never been able to detect the slightest trace of it with any of the animals in my personal acquaintance there are two species the white-fronted muskox has a broad brand of soiled white hair across its face just below the horns and it inhabits greenland and all the islands and lands westward thereof down to the mainland of north america the barren ground muskox is the one of the barren grounds of northern canada and its lowest latitude is sixty four degrees which is at the northwestern corner of hudson bay like nearly all the large land animals the muskox is of gregarious habit and maintains itself in herds of small size usually not exceeding thirty or forty head 
its sharp down-dropping horns seem to have been especially designed by nature to puncture the hides of the big white arctic wolf which seeks big game at its farthest north whenever a muskox herd is attacked by wolves or by dogs the adult bulls and cows immediately form themselves into a hollow circle with the calves inside and thus they stand literally shoulder to shoulder, facing outward with horns at the ready, quite able to repel all attacks save for those with firearms. If a dog or wolf comes near enough to a muskox so that there appears to be a chance to impale it, out rushes the muskox in a swift charge. Usually the nimble-footed canine escapes unharmed, and as soon as it is beyond reach, the muskox quickly returns to his place in the circle the definitiveness and precision which the charge is made and the return accomplished shows a high degree of strategic intelligence and thus is the fittest enabled to survive the muskox has two coats of hair a sweater and a raincoat the sweater is of fine and dense fur practically impervious to cold the raincoat is a suit of rather long and rather coarse straight hair which hangs over the body and covers the inner coat for the purpose of shedding snow and rain the body color of the animal is a rich chocolate brown and the legs are dull gray naturally one would expect to see a muskox provided with a broad spreading hoof like the snowshoe hoof of the caribou but this is not the case the muskox hoof is rather small and compact Structurally, this remarkable animal is half ox and half sheep, just as its generic name, Athabos, implies. It has no visible tail, and its drooping horns strongly resemble those of the Cape Buffalo of Africa. For four years, the New York Zoological Park has maintained the only herd of muskox ever kept in captivity. It started in 1910 with six animals, three of which still survive. Game Animals of America Mountain Sheep, monographic number one in the Mentor Reading Course. The Mountain Sheep, genus Ovis, is a gallant mountaineer. It is a fine, sturdy animal, keen-eyed, bold, active and strong, and is always found amid scenery that is grand and inspiring. Its favorite pastures in summer are the treeless slopes above the timberline, and even in winter, when the raging storms drive the elk and deer down into the valleys, the mountain sheep descends for only a short distance. The mountain sheep is a bold climber. Its legs are robust and strong, and when pursued, it can dash down steep declivities in safety. It is very easy to recognize any adult mountain sheep by the massive round curving horns. No wild animal other than wild sheep have circling horns. The largest specimens of wild sheep are found in Asia. There are six species in America. They are scattered from the northern states of Mexico through the Rocky Mountains and almost to the shore of the Arctic zone. The young of the mountain sheep are born in May or June above the timberline, if possible, among the most dangerous and inaccessible crags and precipices that the mother can find. The lamb's most dangerous enemy is the eagle, and often the mother cannot protect her young from this foe. Probably the most familiar of the mountain sheep is the bighorn, or rocky mountain sheep, Ovis canadensis. Formerly, this was quite abundant, but so persistently it has been hunted that the species now exists only in small numbers and in widely separated localities. The general color of the bighorn is gray-brown. They are well-fed all the year round. The female has not the long curving horns of the male. 
her horns are small short erect and much flattened in length from five to eight inches other species of mountain sheep are the california or nelson's mountain sheep ovis nelsoni a smaller animal than the bighorn and of a pale gray salmon color the mexican mountain sheep ovis mexicanus found in the state of chihuahua mexico the white mountain sheep or doll sheep ovis dali of alaska whose hair is pure white when it has not been stained by mud or dirt the black mountain sheep ovis stony of northern british columbia which is distinguishable by the wide spread of its horns the dark brown color of its sides and the white abdomen and fannin's mountain sheep ovis fanini a newly discovered species which was found first on the klondike river alaska in 1900 rocky mountain goat monograph number two in the mentor reading course the rocky mountain goat or the white goat oriamnos montanus is the only american representation of the many species of wild goat-like animals so numerous throughout the old world its habitat extends from northwestern montana to the head of cook inlet but it is not found in the interior nor in the yukon valley it is one of the most picturesque and interesting wild animals on the continent of North America. It ranges on the grassy belt of the high mountains just above the timberline. It seems to like particularly the dangerous ice-covered slopes over which only the boldest hunters dare to follow it. On the coast of British Columbia, however, the white goat sometimes descends very near to tidewater. The white goat is odd in appearance. At first glance, it seems to be a slow, clumsy creature. In fact, it is the most expert and daring rock climber of all American hoofed animals. The hooves are small, angular, and very compact, and consist of a combination of rubber pad inside and knife edge outside to hold the goat equally well on snow, ice, or bare rock. It is said that goats will cross walls of rock which neither man, dog, nor mountain sheep would dare attempt to pass sometimes they walk along the face of a precipice of apparently smooth rock yet in doing so they frequently look back and turn around whenever they feel so inclined the white goat has built something on the order of a small american bison its head is carried low and the horns are small and short its hair is yellowish white next to the skin is a thick coat of fine wool through which grows a long outside thatch of coarse hair it is an animal of phlegmatic temperament. A story has been told of one goat whose partner had been shot, which deliberately sat down a short distance away and watched the hunter skin and cook a portion of its dead mate. Its flesh is musky and dry and not palatable to white men except when they are exceedingly hungry. Its skin has no commercial value. For these reasons, and also because it is hard to reach, the Rocky Mountain goat is not likely to be exterminated very soon elk monograph number three in the mentor reading course the american elk or wapiti cervus canadensis is as large as a horse handsomely formed luxuriantly maned carries its head proudly and is crowned by a pair of very imposing antlers the male elk is at its handsomest in october or november when his skin is bright and immaculately clean and his fine antlers have just been renewed the elk has small and shapely legs it avoids swamps and low ground and likes to frequent mountain parks it is also a forest animal 
formerly it ranged far out into the western edge of the great plains and it was accustomed in summer to ascend the rocky mountains to the very crest of the continental divide today however it is abundant in one locality only the yellowstone national park and the country immediately surrounding it elk are also found in small numbers in washington oregon colorado montana idaho and on vancouver island british columbia however elk are easily bred in confinement and many good herds have been established in great private game preserves in addition to these there are many small herds in private parks the elk sheds its antlers each year the antlers of one of the largest males in the new york zoological park dropped on march twenty first nine hours apart on april eighth each budding antler looked like a big brown tomato ten days later the new antlers were about five inches long thick and stumpy by may tenth the elk was shedding its hair freely on june eighteenth the antlers were at full length by august first the short red summer coat of hair was established and the antlers were still in velvet the elk then began to rub the velvet of its antlers against the trees by september fifteenth the summer coat of the elk herd had been completely shed on october first the entire herd was at its best all antlers were clean and perfect the hair of the skin was long full and rich in color this is the mating season of the elk when the bulls are aggressive and dangerous elk are often very unsuspicious and at times so stupid that hunting them is not so exhilarating as a sport as it may seem caribou monograph number four in the mentor reading course with the exception of the muskox the caribou is the most northerly of all hooved animals this animal not only roams on the vast arctic waste above the great slave lake known as the barren grounds but it also ranges over the west coast of greenland along the edge of the great ice cap and perhaps over the entire coast of greenland wherever the naked ridges and valleys yielded food the caribou may be found the caribou is a rather odd-looking creature it is interesting to note that nature has provided it with a body especially made to enable it to brave the terrors of frigid climate its legs are thick and strong and its hooves are expanded and flattened until they form very good snowshoes where a moose sinks in a caribou is able to walk over snowfields and quaking marshes the skin of the caribou is covered with a thick closely matted coat of fine hair through this grows the coarse hair of the raincoat this makes a very warm covering in fact the warmest of any hooved animal except the muskox it is a thick felt mat the caribou is the american reindeer it has antlers long and branching as a species they may be grouped under two heads the woodland caribou rangifer tyrandus caribou and the barren ground caribou rangifer tyrandus articus each of these two groups may be subdivided several times however it is difficult to distinguish these subspecies the chief characteristics are minor differences in the antlers but even here great difficulties are encountered the antlers are subject to thousands of variations and as a result no two pairs ever are found exactly alike it has been said that if ten pairs of adult antlers of each of the so-called nine species were mixed into one heap it would be almost impossible for even an expert to separate them all correctly into their proper groups 
of the two great groups the woodland caribou roams through the pine and the spruce forests and also the prairies of newfoundland nova scotia new brunswick northern maine quebec ontario and manitoba it is a large animal with strength enough to vanquish the strongest man in about one minute its shoulders are sharp and high and its head is held low and thrust straight forward the woodland caribou of maine has a body collar of bluish brown and gray in october however its new coat is of the color known as seal brown its antlers are short and have more than thirty points as a whole the antlers have the appearance of a treetop the barren ground caribou is extremely like the average reindeer of siberia and lapland it is a rather small animal with immense antlers the center of their abundance today is midway between the eastern end of the great slave lake and the southeastern extremity of great bear lake the natural food of the garibou is moss and lichen in captivity very few survive many months without a regular diet of moss full-grown woodland caribou consume about seven pounds of it daily it is only necessary to watch a caribou walking to see in this animal the true-born traveler this is one of the most peculiar characteristics of the species at stated periods in the spring and autumn they assemble in immense herds and migrate with the compactness and definitiveness of purpose of an army of cavalry on the march this is most notable in the canadian barren grounds the herd moves northward in spring and in very early winter moves southward several of these monster migrations have been witnessed bull moose monograph number five in the mentor reading course imagine an animal standing between six and seven feet high at the shoulders its legs four feet long its neck and body covered with a heavy thatch of coarse purplish gray hair and its huge head crowned with massive antlers spreading from five to six feet in width that is the moose alces americanus it is the largest animal of the deer family the only way to appreciate a moose is to see an adult animal alive and full of strength striding through the forests of canada or alaska the word moose is a north american indian name which is said to mean cropper or trimmer from the animal's habits of feeding on the branches of trees the moose can be recognized by its broad square-ended overhanging nose its high hump on the shoulders its long coarse smoky gray hair and the antlers of the male which are enormously flattened and expanded moose are found in northern maine and some other parts of the northern states canada and alaska it is hard to kill a moose most of those killed are shot from ambush in the autumn months the moose hunter may sometimes make a horn of birch bark and concealing himself behind a pond at nightfall may by imitating the call of a cow moose attract a bull within shooting distance the moose calf is born in may and is at first a grotesque looking creature with long loose jointed legs and an abnormally short body by the time the calf is a year old it has taken on the colors of adult life unlike most members of the deer family the moose does not graze it eats the bark twigs and leaves of certain trees and also moss and lichen it is strictly a forest animal and is never found on open treeless plains being very fond of still water it frequents small lakes and ponds 
one of the largest bull moose on record was seven feet high at the shoulders and had a girth of eight feet the largest pair of antlers recorded had a spread at the widest point of seventy-eight inches the weight of the antlers and the dry skull together was ninety-three pounds the bull moose has under the throat a long strip of skin called a bell in the adult male animal this bell is sometimes a foot in length the female moose has no antlers and out of every thousand females only one has a bell in captivity the moose is docile and affectionate they have even been trained to drive in harness but owing to the peculiar nature of their digestive organs they cannot live long upon ordinary grass or hay green grass is fatal to them during the deep snows of winter moose herd together in sheltered spots in the forest they move about in a small area and by treading down the snow form what is called a moose yard the alaskan moose has been described as a new species elsus gigas it is said to be giant in size ideas of this animal are greatly exaggerated although it is true that its antlers are really immense american bison monograph number six in the mentor reading course the american bison or buffalo bison americanus because of its great size and imposing appearance is the most celebrated of all american hoofed animals it has been practically exterminated but now that it is given adequate protection the buffalo which breeds rapidly in captivity has been saved from total disappearance the buffalo was first seen by white men in anahuac the aztec capital of mexico in fifteen twenty one when cortez and his men paid their first visit to the menagerie of king montezuma it was first seen in its wild state by a shipwrecked spanish sailor in southern texas in fifteen thirty once the buffalo roamed over fully one-third of the entire continent of north america not only did it inhabit the plains of the west but also the hilly forests of the appalachian region the northern plains of mexico the rocky mountains and even the bleak and barren plains of western canada the center of abundance however was the great plains lying between the rocky mountains and the mississippi valley in may eighteen seventy one Colonel R. I. Dodge drove for 25 miles along the Arkansas River through an unbroken herd of buffalo. According to Dr. Hornaday's calculation, he actually saw nearly a half million head. This was the great southern herd on its annual spring migration northward. Altogether, it must have contained about three and a half million animals. In those days, mighty hosts of buffalo frequently stopped or even derailed railway trains and obstructed the progress of boats on the Missouri and Yellowstone rivers. When the Union Pacific Railway was completed in 1869, the buffalo were divided into a northern herd and a southern herd. By 1875, the southern herd had been practically annihilated. Five years later, the completion of the Northern Pacific Railway led to a grand attack upon the northern herd. Three years later, this was almost entirely wiped out. The future of the buffalo depends on the national herds and ranges, of which the United States has six game preserves. In zoological parks, this animal becomes sluggish and rapidly deteriorates from the vigorous standard of the wild stock. The largest buffalo ever measured by a naturalist is the old bull which was shot by Dr. Hornaday on December 6, 1886 in Montana, and which now stands as the most prominent figure in the mounted group in the United States National Museum. This is the animal whose picture adorns the $10 bill of the United States currency. 
the height of this buffalo at the shoulders was five feet eight inches and its length of head and body to the root of the tail was ten feet two inches its estimated weight was twenty one hundred pounds the buffalo begins to shed its faded and weather-beaten winter coat of hair in march for the next three months he is a forlorn-looking creature by october however the new coat is well along and in november and december the animal is at its best buffalo calves are born in may and june at first they are a brick-red color but this coat is usually shed in october the flesh of the buffalo very closely resembles domestic beef in fact it is impossible to distinguish the difference End of section fourteen.